when the National Weather Service puts out a warning of a hurricane that's going to come along the coast, we find that the news shows us people being prepared, boarding up windows, making sure things are taken care of. And yet, when we think about what the Bible says about a coming day of judgment, we find little and few who really pay attention. But there is coming the day of the Lord. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Second Peter chapter 3. We're going to pick up today in verse number 10 as we're continuing our series through Second Peter. Picking up in verse number 10, it says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. With that, let's pray. God, speak to us today. We have sung how you are alive in us, how... You are holy. We have prayed for the spirit of the living God to fall on us. And so, Lord, during these next moments, as we open your word, may your spirit move in our hearts. In your name, amen. Second Peter 3, really the crux of it is going to be built around the question that is asked in verse number 4. Where is his coming. And the scoffers say, where is his coming? And, you know, since creation, it looks like just everything has just kind of happened in this natural world. And in verses 5 through 7, Peter writes and says, hey, I want you not to overlook these facts, but God created the world, that God flooded the world, and third, that God is holding the ungodly in, in, in storage, he's holding on to them and they will experience judgment. But verse 8 says, you know, you're in a hurry for these kinds of things to happen, but God's timetable doesn't look like ours. A day, a thousand years, a thousand years, a day. It's not about our chronological uh, speculations and it's not about our chronological interpretation of how and when God should move. God stands over time. God is above and works in his will and his way and is sovereign over all things. But the reason, he says, that Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he's patient, verse number 9, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But then, in verse number 10, it reminds us that there will come a day when the Lord's patience runs out. And on that day, when the Lord's patience runs out, it will be called the day of the Lord. 
Ultimately, what we find is that judgment is coming and Jesus is coming. And we need to be ready and we need to be helping others to get ready. So this morning, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your spiritual life, the challenge of today is to be prepared for the day of the Lord. Be prepared for the day of the Lord. And with that, I want to give you three challenges in order to help you to be prepared for the day of the Lord. First, you need to look for the day of the Lord. Judgment is coming. Look for the day of the Lord. Judgment is coming. Now, it says in verse number 10, the day of the Lord will come. We see the certainty of that day. That day is not a question. That day is a reality. That day is firmed up very clearly in the scripture all the way back to the Old Testament. So let's go back and look at what some of the Old Testament prophets had to say about the day of the Lord. Let's slide uh, together into the book of Joel and just listen to me and with me in verse number 14. It says this, Joel 3, 14, if you're writing down. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark. And the stars will cease their shining. The Lord will roar from Zion and make his voice heard from Jerusalem. Heaven and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the Israelites. Then over in the book of Amos, it says this, Amos chapter 5, verse number 18. It says... Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. There are people thinking, hey man, the day of the Lord's going to come and that's, that's going to be great and awesome. But he says, what will the day of the Lord be for you? It will be darkness and not light. It is like a man who flees from a lion only to have a bear confront him. He goes home and he rests his hand against the wall only to have a snake bite him. Won't the day of the Lord be darkness rather than light, even gloom without any brightness in it? So he says, look, this day of judgment, this day of darkness is coming, and you're going to see the lion, and maybe you can get away from the lion, but you're going to be confronted by a bear. And even if you get away from the lion and the bear, he says, you're going to go home, put your hand on the wall, and then you're going to get bit by a serpent. There's no getting out of this. There's no way that you are going to get away. This is a day of judgment that will come upon the ungodly. Then one other verse, uh, passage over in the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse number 14. It says this, The great day of the Lord is near, near and rapidly approaching. Listen, the day of the Lord, then the warrior's cry is bitter. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and total darkness, a day of trumpet blasts and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring, listen, I will bring distress on mankind and they will walk like the blind because... They have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. 
Their silver and gold will be unable to rescue them on the day of the Lord's wrath. The whole earth will be consumed by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make a complete, yes, a horrifying end to all the inhabitants of the earth. This is a day of judgment. And the truth is, is this. Justice requires judgment. If God is truly a just God, and if God is a holy God, we find that justice demands judgment. And that on this day, there will come judgment on the sinful, on the ungodly. This is a certainty. But not only is it a certainty, what we find back in Second Peter 3 is that we find that that day will be a surprise. The surprise of that day is, is that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, Jesus has already said this in Matthew chapter 24, around verse 42, verse 43. He says, if the homeowner would have known what hour the thief was going to break in and steal, he would have been prepared for him. Some of you in the characters class, you looked at 1 Thessalonians 5 last week. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 says the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. There's a surprise element to this. When you're not expecting it. When I was a little boy in the 70s and gas prices got crazy, my dad started carpooling with some of his friends to go to work. And uh, one night he parked, or one day he parked his truck and he left his lights on. And uh, his friend brought him home and I thought, that's weird, his, my dad's friend brought him home instead of him coming home. And so his friend brought him home and uh, he went and took the other car, bought a battery, put the battery in, and he and my mom drove the cars home. The next day, a police officer brought my dad home. Someone noticing that he left his lights on the day before and was going to have to have a new battery, stole his battery out of his car. He came like a thief, unexpected, a surprise. And so what we find here is just like my dad didn't anticipate coming uh, home from work, getting dropped off and realizing my battery's gone. There will be many in that day who will not be prepared for the day of the Lord. Judgment is coming. Jesus is coming. But not only do we see the certainty of that day and the surprise of that day, but Peter lays out the consequences of that day. Now notice back with me in 2 Peter chapter 3, because these consequences are laid out, and they are not just like a local hurricane that comes in. They say that Katrina costed between 95 and a, uh, and 150 billion dollars after the, uh, to, to clean everything and get everything straightened back. Listen, this is not just local hitting a few states. This will hit the world. Notice what he says. He says this in verse number 10. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The heavens are going to pass away with a loud noise. It's interesting that uh, the word for loud noise that is used here is an onomatopoeia. You remember what that is? 
Remember high school or middle school English? And onomatopoeia is a word that sounds like it's meaning. Pow, bang, buzz, thud. This is the word roizadon. And it's a word for a whistling wind or a crackling fire. He says that the earth or the heavens are going to pass away with a loud noise. A rosadon. A loud noise will come. And there will come judgment on the heavens that are around us. Then he goes on in verse number 10 and he says this. That the elements will burn and be dissolved. When we think about the elements, that's a difficult and challenging picture to, to, to comprehend fully. The, some believe that this is the heavenly bodies, that the other planets. Others believe that this goes down to the very atoms and molecules, the very basics, essentials of life. And he says that these elements are going to be dissolved. And then he says, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. It gives the picture that what we do on earth and what happens on earth is going to be exposed. Now, ultimately, we know that it's going to burn up. Notice what back up in verse number seven. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire. Okay, we know it's going to be destroyed. The uh, And then down in verse number 12, as you wait for the day of Lord, hasten, it's coming. That day the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. So there is coming a day that will, the earth and the works on it will be destroyed or burned up. But the, the word here is that they will be exposed. Do you realize that people don't mind a Jesus who does miracles? They like a Jesus who turns water into wine and feeds 5,000. They like a Jesus who opens blind eyes. But if you look over in John 7, 7, do you know why people hated Jesus? Because he confronted their evil. And on this day, everything and all of the evil that people have gotten away with that mysterious causes have caused a case to get thrown out or our details are lost. Listen, there's one person who has not lost a detail. He's not missed anything. And people who get away with things on earth will understand one day all things will be exposed and the consequence of that will be judgment. The day of the Lord is coming. Judgment is coming. But not only do we find that the day of the Lord is coming and judgment is coming? But we not only need to look for that day, but we need to live for the day of the Lord because Jesus is coming. Remember, as we look at this passage, they are answering the question from verse number four. Where is his coming? Where is Jesus coming? I mean, the reality is, is if Jesus is going to come, I mean, they've waited uh, 30 years at this point. You know, if Jesus died around 30, Peter's writing in the mid-60s A.D., they've waited 30 or 35 years, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. The challenge here is 
Jesus is coming, and so we as believers need to be living for this day. Notice what it says in the passage right right in front of us. The, it, it says this in verse number 11. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, everything is going to be burned up, everything is going to be judged, it is clear what sort of people you should be. Now, listen. Prophecy is to lead us to purity. And prophecy is not so much about speculation and times and charts as it is a challenge of sanctification. That God is saying to us and through the lips of Peter, look, because this day of the Lord is coming, let me tell you how you ought to live. And he says this, that you are to live or you should be living first in holy conduct. Live in holy conduct gives the picture that we are set apart, that we are holy, that we are sanctified, that we are going against the culture and tide of the world because we know Jesus is coming. We know judgment is coming. And in order to be a good example to those who may experience judgment, we want them to see the difference that Jesus has made in our life and through our holiness, through our joy, through our peace, they need to see something different. The challenge is, is often when we live just like the world, people think, well, don't look like he's waiting for anything. Don't look like he's living for anyone. I'm as good as he is. No, he says, it is clear that you should be living in holy conduct. And then he adds the word and godliness. That gives the picture of this, this sense of reverent godliness in our life. Notice, notice what he says. He says that we should be in holy conduct and godliness. And I put the word reverend, and I know it kind of repeats, but, but the word that is used here is we are to be living in good worship. That's the word that's used here. We're to be living in good fellowship and good worship. That we're to be exalting the Lord with our life and to be conducting ourselves with a sense of reverence and a sense of godliness in our life. So that our worship is clear. That our pathway to God through worship and his pathway to us as he ministers and moves in our life is very clear and very open to see. The third way we should be living is what we need to be living in with eager anticipation. Now, he says, and that we are to wait, that we are to conduct ourselves in holiness and godliness. And then he says, and as you wait, we're waiting. There's a sense of eager anticipation. This is not just waiting like, hmm, 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 I think I'll get on my phone, see what's on TV. Now the picture is I'm looking for this. I'm longing for this. There is an expectation that Jesus could come today. And I want to be living in light of that. Prophecy is promoting this purity and this longing in my life to be with him and to see him as he is. 
You remember as a child waiting for Christmas? Oh, eager anticipation. Big circles in the J.C. Penney and Sears catalog when you were a kid. You know, you just wanted everything. There was this eager anticipation. Remember when you were getting married? Oh, there's lots of details, but you just can't wait for that day. Remember graduation? It's like, oh, I'm done with school. Yes. Then you go on and you do more. I do like to, from time to time, remind my children and others, it really is good to be on this side of school. Done. You know, it really is good. It is good. There's a sense of eager anticipation. I've worked hard and this is the day that I've been waiting for. And that's the picture in our life. That I have lived it out and now this is the day that I'm longing for. We live with this heart of holiness and this sense of godliness and worship. We live waiting. And then it says something very interesting. That we are to live to hasten Christ's return. Now notice what it says. It's an interesting word. As you wait in verse number 12 for the day of God and hasten its coming. Hasten its coming. How can we have a part in hastening the coming of the Lord? Well, Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And remember what it says at the end of that verse, which God has before ordained that you should walk in them. That God already has a plan for the good works that are in your life. And so as we think of this picture of hastening or, or helping to speed up, we recognize God is sovereign over all things. But we do recognize that God has called us to minister in the world in which we live. And so there are two pictures, I think, that, that we can be involved in and involved with as we think about hastening the Lord's return. First off, we pray. Matthew 6.10. Do you remember what we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come. We're longing for that. We're praying for that. As the the writer of John at the end of Revelation would cry out, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We pray, Matthew 6.10, we're praying, Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, may the world experience its judgment and we walk on in in the presence of who you are. Your kingdom come. But then there's another verse over in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 14. And that is, is that we're challenged to share Christ. How do we hasten his return? Well, we know God is, again, is sovereign over all things. But as we're praying, there is going to come a day that someone shares Christ and that last person comes to know Jesus. And the Lord says, the door is now closed. I don't know when that will be, but Matthew 24, 14 tells us that, that the gospel will be shared throughout the world as a testimony. And so we find that there is this picture of praying for his kingdom and sharing Christ that we can have a part in kingdom work here and now and maybe just a little part under God's sovereign control of helping his kingdom to draw closer. Hasten 
is coming. We look for the day of the Lord. Judgment is coming. We live for the day of the Lord. Jesus is coming. But thirdly, in this passage, we look beyond the day of the Lord. New heavens and a new earth are coming. Notice what it says at the very last verse in verse number 13. It says this, but based on his promise, his promise that he's coming, his promise that he said he was going to come. Where is his coming? His coming is going to happen as promised in his time. A day, a thousand years, it's going to happen in his time. And until then, he longs for people to get saved. But there is coming a day of judgment. There is coming a day when Jesus arrives. And there is coming a day when we as believers... We'll live in a new home. We'll have a new home. Notice what it says. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We're waiting for that new earth that we will dwell in. We're waiting for a new home. When we lived in Mississippi and we're moving to the Atlanta area, going to a church there in Atlanta area, uh, we found a house and we had a very short window in order just to do that. When you go in view of a call and all those things, there's so many meetings and so many things to do. And so we had like two days to find a house. We found a house that was under construction. The, uh, the, the inner bones were kind of done. Sheetrock had not been done, but the contractor assured us 30 days from sheetrock, and sheetrock's going in Monday. 30 days from sheetrock. And so, he knew. I mean, we, 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 the bank actually purchased it. Our name was just on it. All right, so, so anyway, we, we got the house, and, and he sent us a picture once the sheetrock went up, and then he said, no more pictures. No more pictures. I'm going to be there when you walk through. No more pictures. We do find some pictures of what the new heaven and new earth are going to be like. But Peter doesn't give us any here. But he assures us that we're going to live in a new home. And not only do we find that we're going to live in a new home, but we're going to dwell in righteousness. We're going to live in a new home. And we're going to dwell in righteousness. No more effects of the fall. No more sin. No more pain and no more darkness. I don't know if we'll have TVs in heaven, but won't it be good to be able to flip the news on? I mean, news will be like two minutes. Hey, just want you to know everything's going good. The weather today... Perfect. Tomorrow, perfect. Next day, perfect. Next day, perfect. I mean, the whole first 15 minutes of the news before they get to weather is always bad news. There's conflict, there's war, there's violence, there's crime. There's all these things that are going on. 
And what we find here is now we live in a new home, a new heaven and a new earth. The old earth has been pushed away, destroyed, dissolved. And now we have a new heaven and a new earth and righteousness will dwell. And we will be with the Lord forever. So Paul challenges us to comfort each other with these words. Can I tell you, there's a new day coming. Florence Chadwick in 1952, July 4th, 1952, actually, decided she was a swimmer, swam from an early age, decided that she wanted to swim across the Catalina Channel from Catalina Island to the South Beach, about 21 miles of out in the ocean. And she started, and about 15 hours in, She was very tired and worn out. Personally, I couldn't imagine 15 hours of swimming in a row. I probably haven't swam 15 hours in the last 10 years. But uh, 15 hours out in this choppy, cold bay heading for South Beach. At 15 hours and 55 minutes, she quit. A fog had fallen down fallen in, she couldn't see land, and she quit. When they let her in the boat, she said, I'm not making any excuses, but she said this. She said, if I could have only seen land, she said, look, to a reporter, I'm not making excuses, but if I could only have seen land, I know I could have made it. You know what Peter is showing us? There's land ahead. You may have a tough time. You may be grieving today. You may be hurting today. You may be going through a family issue or a financial struggle today. You may be facing persecution today. You may be facing a hard time at work today. You may be made fun of because of your faith today. You may be facing the cultural tides and the waves of everything that's going on in our world Peter has just shown us land ahead. New heavens and new earth await us. Don't quit. Live with that heart of holiness and with that eager anticipation as you wait for the day of the Lord. And along the way, pray for his kingdom to come and share Jesus and help some others make it too. With that, let's pray. Lord, I I ask that you would take these next moments of invitation and reflection. And God, that you would move in your way, in your will, through your power. Not by manipulation, but Lord, by your spirit, would you speak and challenge those today. Lord, first, if there's someone here who does not know Jesus as Savior, we recognize that your scripture says judgment is waiting. And it will be severe. So Lord, may they open their heart and life to Jesus today. Lord, for us as believers, you have called us specifically to live holy, godly, waiting, hastening. 
And Lord, for many of us, we're just distracted. So Lord, call your people to a fresh sense of urgency. And then Lord, for those who are hurting, they've gone through the struggles or they're in the midst of struggles today. Remind them there's land ahead, a new heaven and a new earth. Help them persevere. Take this time in Jesus' name.